read the Holy Scriptures together tonight in Colossians chapter 2, a passage that Leah requested for her confession of faith out of verses 6 and 7. Colossians 2, I'd like to say just a few things about the book of Colossians. Colossians is one of the four prison epistles, that is, the epistles written by the Apostle Paul during his first imprisonment in Rome around the year of 60 A.D. Acts 28 tells us that at that time he was, so to speak, under house arrest. Those four prison epistles are Ephesians, Colossians, Philemon, and Philippians. Uh, also, we should understand that the church at Colossa was established through the labors of the Apostle Paul on his third missionary journey when he was in the city of Ephesus. Acts 18 tells us that he used Ephesus as the hub of his work. And the unique thing about Colossa was that Paul himself personally had never been there. He's going to say that in the first verse that they had not seen his face in flesh. Paul at that time was training men from different cities, and Epaphras from Colossa he trained to be the pastor in Colossa. Paul is writing this epistle because Epaphras has told him of the heresies that were in that young church. We call it the Colossian heresies. It was a mixture of many different heresies, denial of the deity of Christ, worshiping of angels, so to speak, of a secret knowledge that some people had that would make you an elite Christian, the advocation of an aesthetic life that through denial we become more holy, a legalism, a will worship, and really what it all boiled down to, and which is the thrust of the epistle, that there were those in the church who wanted to supplement Christ. Christ and. And the apostle writes to say, there can be no and. If you supplement Christ, you deny him. And so the theme here is the supremacy and adequacy and sufficiency of Christ is the theme of the epistle. Now let's read Colossians chapter 2. For I would that ye knew what great conflict I have for you, and for them at Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love, and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father, and of Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. For though I be absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in the spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, 
abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, and the putting off of the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of an holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, and not holding the head from which all the body by joints and bands having nourishment ministered and knit together increaseth with the increase of God. Wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ from the rudiments of this world, why, as though living in the world, are ye subject to ordinances? Touch not, taste not, handle not, which all are to perish with the using, after the commandments and doctrines of men, which things have indeed a show of wisdom and will worship and humility and neglecting of the body, not in any honor to the satisfying of the flesh. May the Holy Spirit enlighten our hearts and minds to God's word. Our text tonight again is verses 6 and 7. <clears throat> As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. <clears throat> this word of God is a call to you, it's a call to us, to find in Jesus Christ complete sufficiency for all things in our life. That we walk in him. And here it means to walk in Christ. That by faith we find in Jesus Christ all that we need for our soul and for our body. 
for our salvation and for everything, every need, all things, that we find a perfect fullness and adequacy in him. Paul's stressing that about Christ. Verse 3, in whom are hid, in Christ are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Verse 9, for in him, in Christ, dwelleth the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Verse 10, really the theme of the whole epistle. And ye are complete. There's no, nothing you need added. Ye are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. Find all things that you need for your salvation in Jesus Christ for sure. This word of God is telling us don't add don't add anything to that. Don't try to add something to that upon to be the foundation of your acceptance with God. But cling by faith to his perfect work once offered on the cross. But this text is telling us don't only seek in Jesus Christ, walk in Christ for your salvation, but walk in Christ all your life. Walk a godly walk. Walk in Christ for wisdom as a young person. When you must make decisions. When you are seeking guidance. When you want to know the way of the Lord. Turn to Christ. He is sufficient for that. Turn to Christ for strength. To do the right. To live a godly life. Not to compromise your faith. He's sufficient for that. Find in him all things. When you find that all things that you need are in Christ, then you won't be turning aside to look for other things to be your aid and strength. Find in Christ all your comfort for your sorrows and your trials. Find in Christ the perfect solace for all of your fears in your heart. Find in Christ peace, happiness, Joy, the way to live, the strength to live a godly life. Find this in Jesus Christ. He is complete and sufficient. Text and surrounding verses say to us, beware. Beware on this point. Let no man beguile you. Let no man spoil you. Let no one come along, alongside and say to you, as a young person, yes, yes, yes. Jesus Christ, your religion, your belief system, very nice for you. But you really ought to explore these things. You really ought to try this out. You really ought to consider some of the social wisdom of this culture to now assume for yourself and to guide your life. Beware, lest any man spoil you, that is, corrupt you. If someone would add that Christ is not enough to guide your life and to satisfy your heart, he's not enough. You need, you need something more. This will spoil you. But we compare what is in Christ to a pot full of nutrients. And those who would spoil you would want to come along 
and drop into that pot of perfect nutrients something of manna, just a little speck. And they would say, ah, now, that will add a little spice. That will add a little flavor to what you had in Christ, for it was very bland. Paul says, no. It will corrupt it. It's like dropping acid, cyanide, into the bowl of soup. You're about to eat find all things in Jesus Christ. Be rooted and built up in him. I call your attention to walking in Christ. I want to point out to you that this is a passionate calling. But number two, we are shown the only way that we can walk with Christ as being rooted and built up in him. And that finally, that a walk in Christ will have one sure fruit. Thankfulness. From verse 5, where the Apostle Paul gives a wonderful commendation to the believers in Colossae, we come to verse 6, where he gives to them an urgent and passionate calling to walk in Christ. I would have you note that first. In verse 5, he says that even though he was not physically present with them, yet spiritually he rejoiced in hearing of their order and the steadfastness of their faith in Christ. Though Colossians, the Colossian believers, were being threatened by many different heresies, nevertheless, we learn that God in his faithfulness had preserved them in steadfastness of their faith, that God had been good to them, and that even though they went through trials, God's grace was still among them. And so the apostle commends them. But that he commends them does not mean that he simply leaves it there, that he says, well, you're standing, you're good to go. There's really nothing else to say to you. He says, oh no, even though you stand, Still, you must so walk in Him. These words apply to us. It applies to this congregation. The wonderful commendation that, yes, by God's grace, you are steadfast in your faith. You have gone through trials and difficulties, and God has been good and faithful. But we don't now rest on laurels. We rejoice in such a night as this when we see a young woman in our congregation confessing her faith. There's, there's steadfastness of faith here. But we don't rest. God continues to say, you need to walk in Christ. Young people in the parking lot are probably every make of car and age of car that we could conceive. And all of those cars have a gear called park and a gear called neutral. But in the Christian life, there is no park and there is no neutral. There are only two gears, forward or back, either progressing 
or receding. But there is no neutral. There is no timeout. We're just going to lay back. And we'll see about the Christian life when we get to it. There's no neutral. There's no pause. Walk in Christ. The main verb of the text is walk in Christ. And I say that this is an impassioned call because before that main verb comes the words, as ye have therefore received Christ, so, or therefore, walk ye in him. To receive Christ Jesus the Lord means that we must therefore continue to walk in him. Now this receiving of the Lord Jesus Christ does not mean what is commonly understood sadly and what is commonly taught sadly in the Christian church that therefore Jesus Christ the Lord is presented to men, offered to men, and he asks them, would you please receive him? And if you don't receive him, he can't get them to take it. I won't go into details about that, but that certainly is giving the glory of salvation to man and not to God. And that certainly is not the presentation that the Apostle Paul gives of Jesus Christ in those beautiful verses, verses 14 and 15, that he is the one who took all things out of, the, out of our way, that he had the victory in the cross, and that he has spoiled the principalities of, death, of, of the devil and the powers, and that he triumphs. He is no beggar. He doesn't say, well, I'd like you to have this. Please receive this if you would take it. That's not the meaning. But the meaning is that the grace that gives us a true faith, that that true faith embraces Christ, that that true faith receives Jesus Christ as the Savior of our soul. Faith is not passive. Faith is active. We receive him by grace. The same word receive, you might remember, is used in John chapter 1, the verses 11 through 13, where we read that Jesus Christ came to his own, but his own received him not. But to as many as received him, he gave power to become the sons of God, even to as many as believe in his name, which were born not of blood, not because your father, as a young person, you don't believe because simply genetically it was passed. Not of blood. Not of the will of the flesh. Not of the will of man. Not because your parents wanted you to believe this. But who are born of God. To receive him is to cherish him. It is to trust him. It means that our hearts by his grace have been opened to him. Of ourselves, we would be cold to him. We would be ashamed of him. We would not want to be associated really with him before the world. We wouldn't want to be identified as one of his. But ye have received Christ Jesus the Lord, a faith that embraces him, a living faith. And this receiving, this work of grace, came through means. How did the Colossians receive the Lord Jesus Christ. They received him through the preaching of a young converted minister who had only had two years of training with the Apostle Paul 
this man called Epiphras. And through his preaching to them as he had been taught by the inspired apostle Paul, so also for you as a young woman, for you as young people, there have been means whereby you have received Jesus Christ. It is the church and the preaching of the gospel that works faith in our hearts. It's a Christian family. It's the table where you ate and where the scriptures were read. It's the mother who taught you before you went to school and loved. You have received him by grace. God gave you a heart to embrace him. You have received him. Note the word him. You have not received a culture. You have not received a belief system. That's what you believe. This is what we believe. You have not received the religion of your parents. You have not received dead traditions. You have received him. Savior, the exalted King of kings and Lord of lords, the all-sufficient Jesus. So walk in him. The word walk then is a very beautiful word in scripture. And it refers really to communion. To walk in Christ is to walk in communion fellowship is to walk in such a way that you know that he protects you he's your refuge it is to walk in him in such a way that he guides you to walk in Christ means that you submit to him you trust him you worship him you rely upon him walk according to the scriptures means two different things it's referring to to our life, our walk is our life, but <clears throat> walk in scripture refers to our life as we live it from the heart. Walk in scripture is not simply our outward conduct. A young man, a young woman, an older man outwardly can have the right conduct can learn to do the right thing. But his heart is not in it. Then those things of Christ and of the Christian walk, a life are not his walk. They are a cover. Walk is a person walks according to their heart. Proverbs 4 verse 23, keep thy heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. The scriptures say that we would, in the heart, apart from Christ, walk in pride. We would walk in covetousness. We would walk after the lust of the flesh. Do we walk in bitterness? Do we walk in jealousy and envy? It's the matter of the heart. Walk is the life 
that we live in Christ from our hearts, believing in him. And secondly, walk is, as I said, fellowship. Amos 3 verse 3 says, can two walk together unless they are agreed? When you walk, take a walk with someone. Well, you have to be a friend. You have to have some communion, some likeness. You have to agree where you're going. You're going to agree on what you need to avoid and what's going to be difficult on this walk. Can two walk together unless they are agreed? Walk with Christ means that we are in fellowship with Christ. We have the same desires as Christ. We have the same destination. We have the same motivation as Jesus Christ. We read in the Old Testament, And Enoch walked with God and was not, for God took him. He was translated. We read, Noah walked with God. Picture it. Enoch, the world was looking to kill him because of his testimony. Because he walked with God in an evil world. Noah, ridiculed for 120 years about some ark and flood. He only, his family, only eight souls. In a world of millions. How could he do it? He walked with God. Walk in Christ means in every detail of your life. Your feet stand in communion with Christ Jesus to please him. It's of the heart. And it does become visible it is seen. The world can see it. They might be the first ones to pick it up. Because it is so strange to them. But it is true. It can be seen. We read of the disciples. That their enemies saw. That they had been. With Jesus. That's a walk in Christ that they see that we have been with Jesus. The passage is urging us. The passage is urging us with a specific, prominent reason. It's very pastoral. Walk in Christ because he is sufficient. Totally sufficient. Christ as ye have therefore received Christ, Jesus the Lord. We've heard those words so many times, but may it be for a moment that it's the very first time Christ, the anointed of God, qualified by the Holy Spirit to do the whole work of our salvation. Jesus, Savior from sin, Lord, Son of God, and mighty, enthroned in all power, you have received him. So walk in him. Draw out of him all things that you need. Don't look elsewhere. Don't say, well, I've been taught these Christian doctrines, but perhaps 
Perhaps there's other things that I need to experience, that I need to see, that I need to explore, other isms that I should explore. And I'm not going to reject, but I'm just going to round out my Christian faith. No. He is sufficient. He's more than sufficient. He's everything. All you will ever need is in Him. You are complete in Him. He's saying, Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Not be all else to me, save that thou art. Thou my best thought, by day or by night, walking or sleeping, thy presence, my life. But how do we do that? The text goes on to give us two figures of speech. Verse 7, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as ye have been taught. The two figures are from the word world of agriculture, roots, and the world world of construction, built up. Be rooted in him if you are to walk with Christ. The apostle is referring to trees, and he's referring to the roots of the trees. What are roots to a tree? Roots to a tree children, are two things. Moisture, where they get their food, their nutrients, and stability, so that they're not blown over to the ground where they die. The purpose of a root is to draw moisture and nutrients from the soul. To be rooted in Christ means that all of your moisture for your soul All of your nutrients for your soul are found in Jesus Christ, in the riches of His salvation that you draw from them. A tree is created to sink its roots into the soil. The tree is so created that the tree understands that there are certain soils that it needs. Every tree does not grow on every soil. You don't put an azalea on the Alaskan tundra, and expect that it's going to be what it can't. It can't live there. The tree must sink its roots into that soil, which will nourish, and that moisture, which will nourish that tree. So sink your roots of faith into Jesus Christ. Don't spread your roots of your heart out into all kinds of places, thinking that these places are going to give nurture and comfort to my heart, that they will be the moisture of my soul. Don't think that, well, what I'll do is I'll dabble a little bit in some of the other religions and see what they're all about. I will dabble a little bit in the culture of our world and the view that this world has of sex, the view that this world tonight has of women 
the view that this world tonight has of gender. And I will dabble in that. And perhaps uh, all of these things are a choice and I ought to, to, ex to explore these choices and sort of make my own belief system. Don't dabble. Don't sink your roots into evolution as being true and the word of God as being false. Well, I can combine those two, can I not? Don't sink your roots into what the world thinks about sex and that it will be good. Don't do that. Don't do that. Seek your roots into Jesus Christ, your Lord and your Savior. And if you say, I've tried to do that, but I still struggle. I still have my questions. It's not clear to me. I still struggle. I still feel I'm lacking something, that there's something missing. Don't put your roots elsewhere. What happens when a tree is dry? It sinks its roots deeper. Sink your roots deeper into Jesus Christ. Roots are not only for moisture, but roots are for stability. We must also be stable. We must not be blown about. And so roots keep us from being blown about. In a storm. Storms. Can come. Into our lives. Sometimes we think that they will certainly blow us down. And that we cannot stand. Sink your roots into Christ. He will cause you. To stand. If we sink our roots in our trials, difficult marriage, death, sorrow, whatever that trial may be for you tonight as a young person, if we sink our roots into something else, I I'm just going to be happy. I'm just going to do what I want. If we sink our roots into something else, you will never have peace. You will not have strength. You will be blown over. Sink them into Christ. These figure of roots really means, and this is nothing that we have not heard before, to have our roots in Christ means that we live a life of prayer and scripture. Through prayer, sincere prayer, as not mouthing words into a void, but through Christ our words go to the throne of grace, and God hears us, and he gives us his grace. Prayer, sincere, regular, personal prayer, and Bible reading. In this world which is blowing so strong against our Christian faith, against Christ himself, we sink our roots into Jesus Christ 
in the personal, regular reading and family of his books, of God's book. Are you being blown about because of a neglect of your Bible? We must not just have our devotionals, the writings of others on the text. We must not even just have good, sound books of biblical reformed truth. But your eyes and my eyes must peer and look intently into the book of life, the Holy Scripture. And we must do that on a daily, personal basis when we search the Scriptures. Things become different and the nutrients of Christ become ours. We must be rooted and we must be built up. The figure is changing to construction and what the apostle means is that we must be established in the faith. He explains what it means to be built, to be established in the faith. And when he talks about the faith, he's talking about the objective faith that is revealed in Holy Scripture, the 66 books of the Bible, as they all are one in its truth, the glory of God in Jesus Christ and the full assurance of salvation in Him. Do the, be established in the faith as you have been taught. They were taught. When they read these words, they would, in their mind, picture Epiphras coming over the hill, coming to Colossae to bring them the truth of Scripture. Our minds see coming to us over 2,000 years all of the Holy Scriptures translated into our language. Our minds see the Heidelberg Catechism being written, teaching us from scriptures of our only comfort. Our mind sees the Belgic Confession, the confession before the world which was persecuted in the church, the great synod of Dort. Our minds see our moms and dads. The faith that you have been taught. Our minds see our church. We have been taught the faith. Be established in that truth. Be built in it. The need that we have as young people tonight is not a makeover of faith. It's not a new style of faith. It's not a faith that blends with culture. Our need is to be established in the faith that we have been taught, knowing of whom we have learned them. Our need is not to redefine the faith, but to be built up in the one that God has given and to say, I believe that. I believe it with all my heart and soul. 
We say that in all humility. This is where I stand. I stand in the faith that God gave me and taught in Christ. The fruit of walking in Christ is thanksgiving. Can you imagine a life walking in Christ absent of thankfulness? Is that possible? Can we really imagine a Christian who's not thankful? Can you picture walking with Jesus and not being thankful? Do we walk in Christ? Then the predominant characteristic of our lives is thankfulness. Now he says abounding with thanks. And there's the pinch. Do you abound in thanks? Do you how often do you give thanks to God in a day? Once? Twice? You say, well no, no. Sometimes it's more than that, five or six. You say, well, on a good day, maybe my heart thinks of thanking God ten times. That's pretty good. But the apostle, God says, abounding in thanks. Abounding means deep inside in all that you do, we are always thankful. No matter what, we're always thankful to God. This is very convicting to us. We see that we have only a small beginning of that new obedience, a small beginning of that thankfulness, but it's there. And when that thankfulness, walking in Christ, when that thankfulness is in our life, then there will be certain things that we will not do when we're walking in thankfulness to Christ, there's certain things we won't do. We won't go around putting our fellow saints down, picking holes in our fellow saints, saying, now look what they did to me. Or saying, I can't be happy with a wife like that. I can't be happy with a husband like that. When we walk in thanks, we won't be picking on other people. When we walk in thanks, in walking in Christ, we will not be wallowing in our self-pity. We won't be saying, nothing good ever happens to me. Why me? Not when we walk in Christ. When we walk in thanks in Christ, we won't go around grumbling. Our religion and our faith will not be a sour pickle. Gloom and doom. We will not be complaining. We will not be jealous of another. We will be thankful. When we walk in Christ, we will not be covetous, saying, I need something else. This isn't good enough for me. We will be thankful. And thankfulness brings 
repentance. And that's the point of repentance. Contentment and joy and peace is found only in Jesus Christ. He is sufficient. To have him is more than enough. When we find it in him, then all that the world offers, we throw as scraps. We discard them. We don't follow this fad. We don't follow this new thinking. We don't say, what I need is a change of whatever. You will find in him all things sufficient. You will take his yoke upon you. If he assigns to you a difficult way, you will take it upon you. You will find all things in him. And you will be happy. You will have peace. You will discover that Jesus Christ is more than enough for you. And that all of your life depends on him. Amen. Father, we thank thee for thy word. We have only touched it a little bit. May our roots sink deeply into him. May we be steadfast. In the faith that we have been taught, may we walk with him to the glory of thy grace. Amen.